Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. So, these little interludes are slowly and not by design ending up kind of like a little set of flashbacks, kind of out of sequence, you know, like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, jumping around, um, kind of fleshing out a situation that, you know, would make sense uh, at another place in time. But let's go back to the beginning, all the way back. So a long time ago, I was up in the Redwoods going to school. I'm telling, telling this to you from my secret location in a clothing optional resort uh, somewhere in Sacramento County, if that narrows it down for you. But uh, so when I was 18, I was recruited by the coach at Humboldt State University to go up and run. And because that's what I did. Um, All I ever thought about was running, thinking how I was going to make the Olympics, how I was going to win national championships, uh, try and set some records. Um, But first and foremost, I spent... um, my Saturdays at a track meet or a cross-country meet in high school. And then I spent my Sundays just doing a long hour-and-a-half run, covering probably about 13 miles, yeah, only to start it over again Monday morning. And um, so lo and behold, I kind of, cobbled together a modicum of, of success. Then I ended up going to the state championships as a senior and then got recruited. So 18 years old, I'm shipped up to the Redwoods and I have a weird, it's kind of a, I don't know, when you're an athlete at a school, at a college, um, of course, you have every right to play it how you want, but I was kind of put into a, a house, an athlete's house, uh, as opposed to going to the dorms, and uh, I had a lot of friends in the dorms, spent a lot of time in the dorms, hanging out with those those people. Um, but I was living off campus, and I was in a house, and I remember the first person I ran into when I got up there was uh, this guy Rich who was a he was a thrower on the track team threw discus and shot put he was a big guy Uh, and then uh, he had his buddy Todd who went to the uh, the local JC the junior college just down the road two of them usually sat around drinking beer most of the day and when I walked through the front door Rich asked me, point blank, do you have a girlfriend? I said, yeah. He goes, well, write her off. So um, 
and my and my 18 year old six foot 139 pound brain I well didn't know exactly how to process that but what who does when you're 18 you don't know shit so so that semester was spent basically um, flunking out of classes I took 21 units don't know why uh, don't know how I even found the classes really um, you would end up running through the redwoods most of the week or out on the track training for the meet that we would go to on Saturdays Saturday we would either be somewhere in Oregon maybe locally maybe down in the Bay Area um, San Francisco um, just running races and we turn it turns out we had a pretty good team and um, we ended up going to the national championships uh, I was still 18 November November we landed in we landed in Strasburg, Pennsylvania, and this is just November, but I remember walking through that tunnel that the plane connects to the airport, and even though it was only November, I just remember remember thinking, my God, this is a different type of cold. It was just different. Like, it hurt, and uh, that was the East Coast. That was the first time i had been to the east coast it wasn't even really and it wasn't even the east coast it was pennsylvania for god's sakes of all places and so what had happened was um we'd qualified for the ncaa championships division two they were held on a, a golf course and the the day of the the actual race itself when the gun went off it started to snow <clears throat> so we were Again, we were, you know, 18, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds in, uh, in nylon singlets and uh, running shoes uh, running across a golf course in the snow of all, of all things. But we ended, up, we ended up finishing sixth. Sixth in the nation, not too bad for a rowdy bunch of kind of yahoos um in the course of that of that uh semester though because i was out of town so much I, we would we would leave on a friday i would miss those classes um uh, i wasn't the most disciplined student um when we got back saturday nights there's usually a party that we would end up at and then you would uh, you drink you drink a lot, and then you would the next morning uh, kind of climb your way out of a mess. Um, sometimes my girlfriend at the time would call me and uh, tell me how much she missed me. So I would drive five five hours, sometimes six, just for the day, just to see her, and then come back. And that's when I kind of started to understand like what this guy rich was telling me like right or off man long distance this doesn't work doesn't work um it was hard but i did it and so lo and behold here we are in pennsylvania we just finished 
getting sixth place in the national championships and we had two rental cars and in one car was our coach the other two freshmen and the top runner on our team who was a 22 23 year old senior and his girlfriend so those six no five were in one rental car and then me being the only one that is underaged but over 18 with a license was the driver of three of the guys um Phil Rouse, an ex-army ranger who ended up becoming the second no third man on our team. Scott Pesh, the captain, who um this was his senior year, and Chuck Mullane, an ex-Marine, who uh I don't know, didn't much care for me for some reason, but I don't know. Things change when you have a few too many beers. So first things first, we ended up getting separated at the New Jersey Turnpike from the coach when we left Pennsylvania. Now, the ultimate goal was to um, go watch the NCAA Division I championships. That was in uh, Annapolis, Maryland at the Naval Academy. But that was on a Monday. We ran on a Saturday. We got done. Um, Had a good time. Sunday morning, we were gone. We were headed east. We ended up Let's see, that night we ended up in Philadelphia at a place called Ribbits, which was, um, had this big uh, frog-looking mascot, and it was just a bar, but uh, the three guys I was with were all 21 or older, that's why I was the designated driver, and we promptly uh, rounded up a couple of uh, older women who proceeded to escort me in with the other three 21-plus-year-olds into Ribbits to have a beer or five, and I didn't. But uh, we were there probably, gosh, till well after midnight and then promptly took off and headed for Maryland. Drove through the night, didn't, didn't, and this is, this is 1989, by the way, um, where there was no GPS, there's no map quest, um, there's no navigation, there's no phones, there's no cell phones. I mean, that's how easily we lost our coach and, uh, the other freshmen. So here we are on our own on the East coast, uh, in November and it's cold and we're driving and I'm cutting across big lanes of we're going the wrong way down the highway, cutting across, dividing grass and knolls, and uh, trying to get us on track while these guys are whooping it up. And if I remember right, Chuck even took a nasty spill down one of those grass culverts that divide the the major highways um, out there in the Maryland, D.C. area. We drove through Washington. We even drove through, uh, we're going through New York. I remember going through Times Square, and I remember looking out and seeing the Statue of Liberty and thinking, man, it's not as big as I thought it was, but it's way out there. Who knows? What do I know? But so we ended up that night sleeping in the parking lot of a Safeway near the uh, Naval Academy, which was nice. 
And I, um, I recall, well, we all just slept where we sat, and I was sitting in the driver's seat. And I remember in the middle of the night waking up and just turning the key on and just running the wipers and just thinking, like, we're still driving or what, I'm, what am I doing? Like, where am I? Like, total disorientation. But um, didn't seem to have as big an effect on the other guys that were kind of sleeping off their beers and so forth. But we woke up the next day knew, knowing that our coach would be at the NCAA Division One race to watch him. So... That's where we found him, um, out at the Naval Academy, and uh, watched the NCAA one Division One race, and we're just ultimately humbled, humbled, just uh, I don't know, it's probably similar to what say like David Foster Wallace discovered when he was going up through championship tennis, and just knowing that he was a good, in his own words, a good, if I remember him describing himself right on the Charlie Rose show, a good, almost very good tennis player. But there's just that that, that leap that you got to make. So when you watch the Division One guys come through the first mile at about 425, looking like they're just jogging just looking at each other, just jockeying for position. And when you're talking about 200 runners coming across a golf course, just cresting a hill with no effort, just gliding along, you start to appreciate what David Foster Wall was saying. Like, that was pretty much the kibosh. That put the end. That was the end of, that was the end of my running career. Because we were, sure, we were doing 20 milers. You know, you work out seven days a week. You're doing your weights. So that was that. That was the end. And what I had to do was figure out, well, I know there's more to life than running. And what is it? You know, I tried other majors. I tried French. I tried theater. I tried history. Uh, I did liberal studies. I did student teaching and so all of a sudden all of a sudden school wasn't even offering anything I was looking for so fair enough so after well okay so backing up again after that semester I was thrown out they politely asked me to leave and with the contingency that, well, if you were to write a letter, kind of, kind of a reinstatement letter, um, there's a chance you could be let back in. So that's what I, well, that's what I was persuaded to do by my parents. Okay, fair enough. So I write the letter. They reinstate me. I'm back in. Second semester. I run track. Uh, I'm running, again, I'm running 80 miles a week and uh, hanging out with running bums and just, you know, interesting characters. I, 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 I left the, the house that I was staying in after, the, after one semester. I got talked into st- staying over with some, some friends who 
needed a fourth. Uh, they had a, a little apartment, a little four bedroom apartment, and it was uh, Bill Frampton, Chris Hobson, Jim Bowles, and myself. And then next door, it was a two, it was like a kind of a duplex. Next door was um, Chuck Mullane. And gosh, if I can remember, was it Matt Holloway and Bob Quintana? And sometimes this guy Thierry Bruxelles, Thierry Bruxelles, he was French. And he basically lived out of his van, but he parked the van over at our apartments. And um, but he slept in the van, and that's cool. Some of these guys, uh, Chris Hobson and Jim Bowles, were um, from Orange County as well as Thierry, and they went to uh, Orange Coast Community College and then ended up coming up here. So they were all older than me. And um, my buddy Jim was kind of he was kind of a wild card, bit of a I don't know unpredictable character, but he had the room opposite of me and Jim had a uh, he had a Honda Civic and it was like an 88 or 89 it was pretty it was new it fairly fairly new Jim Jim was an interesting story though um, he um, was a phenom just a freak of nature uh, f- just a physical specimen just I remember him getting he had he had knee issues a lot uh early on when I got up there. He and I got up there the same year, but he was a couple years ahead of me age-wise. And he was he he was dealing with some knee issues, but uh so he wasn't training like we were. And ultimately what had happened is he was dared uh he got dared one time to run to see if he could run under 50 seconds on the track for a quarter mile with no training and uh, he ended up running a 50.8 or something something crazy just no training just ridiculous ridiculous and um but he he grew up his 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 dad was a bit of a character his dad got him laid the first time in Tijuana with a hooker in the same room. So that if that helps you explain something, but also the Honda Civic that he had. Um, one, well, okay, so while we were up there, okay, Jim also is a mathematical genius, so keep that in mind. So he's, uh, he's had Tijuana hookers. Um, he ultimately would be the school record holder in the 800 meters. Uh, when he got healthy again and uh, he worked down at the courthouse market and they call it the courthouse market because it's the market right next to the courthouse so when you got out of the drunk tank you could go over to the courthouse market and you know wet your whistle and so he um so he was gone a lot but when he would show up sometimes you'd wake up in the morning and there'd be a trail of sand coming from the carport down the walkway, into the front door, through the living room, and into his room. And then tracking that little trail of sand down to the car, you'd notice like there was, oh, pretty much most of the beach inside of his Honda Civic. And turns out what happened was 
he had parked on a beach, a local beach, and found a some skanky little barnacle to go at it with, and um, the tide came in. So his car had almost washed out the sea with him in it, but in a state of uh, fight or flight reaction, he would he'd managed to uh, run across the beach. Uh, I don't know if he was wearing clothes or not. Uh, through the brush and the bushes that separated the beach from the highway, and flagged somebody down to help him retrieve his car and pull it back into the, into dry into a dry dock, and conveniently wrapped it up and went home. So, yeah. So his car was a marine project at this point, and Jim. Uh, in the early days, was notorious for uh, starting banana bread at 2 a.m. and then passing out in the middle of the kitchen on the floor, only to be awoken by the smoke coming out of the oven where the uh, banana bread was burning. So, so that's who I lived with, and uh, I distinctly recall the last night of school that year, my first full year being severely intoxicated and uh, just throwing handfuls of trail mix across the apartment and just, uh, yeah, just showering the place with uh, walnuts and uh, raisins. I don't know why. But then the next day just drove home and got thrown out again twice, thrown out twice. Uh, This time, of course, I was offered the opportunity to write yet another letter and naturally, I was forced to write that second letter. And as luck would have it, they let me in again, again, again. So there I was, back in the saddle again. And uh, so the second second year, I had moved out of that apartment and into... Uh, uh, another apartment off campus uh, out by the train tracks on the opposite side of town uh, with my buddy Jonathan, who was a born-again Christian and decided he wasn't going to shower for most of the first year. Um, but he was going to learn guitar. So um, so that's, that's what he did. And I... Um, Started my own little crusade uh, now that I was 19 going on 20. Um, yeah, I spent most of my time just kind of making up random song lyrics that we would, uh, they would be howling about, oh, like 1 a.m., just, you know, warming up, singing Helter Skelter uh, at the top of our lungs until the upstairs neighbor would bang on the... Well, I don't think this guy was... He wasn't even a neighbor. He was staying with the neighbor, and he was going to come down, and he was going to activate our dental plan. Um, so we would turn the lights off and and just kind of wait for him to go away. And uh, and then on weekends, we would try and hop the train that ran right by our living room window, uh, unsuccessfully usually, but... You'd be up until 3 or 4 a.m. waiting on the next train because that train was headed eh, northeast somewhere, maybe. End up in like Blue Lake or something, Willow Creek, who knows. Uh, 
but most of the time it was us, it was just me and uh, my other buddy, John, uh, making the train and Jonathan not making the train because he was waiting for a hot pocket in the uh, microwave. So, um, but yeah, so that was the second year and, uh, oh no, no, that was my third year. No, I take that back. No, the second year was at the lofts. We had an apartment at the lofts. That was, that was where things kind of went a little herky jerky. That was when I was 19, 20 years old. Uh, my buddy Mike, my other buddy Chris, uh, both current and former athletes, swimmers, runners, triathlons, um, and every Saturday night, there's, it seemed like every Saturday night, there was a party there, and uh, so what we would do, well, we would just have a packed living room, a packed apartment, full of just rowdy people, and I wasn't even too bad, I was really more kind of just an observer for a lot of it. Sometimes, you know, you'd find yourself wearing like a motorcycle helmet and drinking like an entire bottle of Bacardi and dancing around in your underwear or throwing up off the roof or being or going to a you know, a party across town only to be kind of abandoned by whoever brought you there so that you could convince a couple of the dudes there was a really good party over where you lived and got yourself a ride back home so because there usually was a party at my place so i wasn't really lying it was just a resourceful way to get home and so a lot of that year was at that point just doing some cross training style type stuff mountain biking a little bit of running um still had the I still had the uh, the chops to run. I didn't I didn't have the desire as much as I had just the the you know the hay was in the barn. Um, so I could draw off that hay anytime I want. And uh, there was a coach up at Humboldt, one of the great distance running coaches who coached Mark Conover in the nineteen eighty eight. Olympic trials when he won the marathon to go to uh, Seoul, South Korea. His expression to Mark Conover and those guys were um, the haze in the barn. You got it. The training's been done. Now you just got to execute. Well, my hay was in my barn, but I wasn't in. I wasn't interested in executing anything. Um, so it all, but it all kind of comes full circle for me. Uh, in a weird, weird, I don't know. Well, Mark Conover was the reason I went up there, for one. When he won the 88 Olympic trials, I ended up going there in 89. I went up to Humboldt. He was, uh, he'd won a national championship in cross country up there. He was uh, in a lot of the top 10 lists, all-time lists for most distances and cross-country races and uh, 
you know, course records and so forth. And um, but he ended up he ended up down at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo ultimately, where uh, I think David Foster Wallace ended up. So who uh, I kind of draw from as far as like hitting that wall, you know, it kind of he spoke it spoke to me when he readily admitted as I have that you can be humbled in sport you can be humbled but you got to use that you've got to use that that feeling that feeling of being humbled you got to use it to your advantage and uh ultimately that's what that's what Wallace did but uh so that was the second year and that was that was a lot of fun um and somehow I'd managed to get myself back in good graces with the, uh, the college. And I stayed there that, that year. And then the third year when I went, moved in with my, my buddy Jonathan. So at the end of my third year, um, I think that's when I just decided that there wasn't much going on. This wasn't. This this wasn't doing anything for me. Uh, uh, acad- academics weren't in my weren't really in my wheelhouse at the time. Um, I just had a weird compulsion to to just go do something else, and uh, so I ended up leaving. I ended up leaving and and just left town and went back to Sacramento to bus tables for a little while. And that was that was interesting too because I made my way home. Uh, I ended up staying with this older woman off and on that that I work with, and uh, and just experienced civilian life. It was strange and it was weird, and it was where I met Charlie. Um, Sandy, who the the older woman that I was staying with, she was uh, she well she literally was uh, late thirties. I was twenty twenty one, yeah twenty one, and uh, she had a stepbrother Charlie that uh, he was about nineteen, maybe twenty, and and uh, so we ended up ultimately uh, renting a townhouse. And uh, Charlie was a, an interesting dude. He, this is one of the guys that liked to fight. So he would come home at night after being out with, uh, he'd come home with a broken pool cue or something that, you know, indicated that some shit had gone down. And that's who this guy was, but he was funnier than hell. One of the funny, just riffing, just, just free association type random uh, crazy bullshit this guy could could talk and uh anyway we hit it off it was kind of a weird kind of an acroid belushi type companionship and uh so that's where i was and uh that was kind of preemptive to uh to me before i headed for colorado and again, this is all. This will all make more sense as it falls falls in place. But 
they're just these weird little outposts in my life. And uh, there's a natural flow of how they came about, but there's usually an unnatural flow as to how they kept going. But but this was the precursor for Colorado. And Colorado, well, we all know what happened in Colorado. 